Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Do I Have Your Attention podcast. My name is Avery Boyd, and this is a show all about interviewing your city's public servants, leaders, business owners, and executives to see how they make the decisions and why they make the decisions that drive your city. Check it out and let me know what you think. Thank you. and welcome back to another episode of Do I Have Your Attention? First off, I would like to say apologize for the absence. I had some family issues I had to take care of, um, and so I will probably be focusing on that for the next couple of months because it's kind of changing my personal strategy, but I thought I'd finish releasing the episodes I have, and so, and in the meantime, kind of collect some more as I go along. Um, in this episode, I had an amazing conversation with Akram. I'll let him describe what he does and kind of um, his company. But we had a we had a really good talk about Phoenix as a whole, um, sustainability, and kind of the outlook in terms of thinking about how you want to move and your decision making and how to make your city a better place. I hope you guys enjoy it. And as always, let me know what you think. Thank you. <laughs> Good afternoon, Mr. Akram. How you doing? Doing fine, thank you. That's good. I appreciate your time. Do you mind taking a little bit of time of introducing yourself and kind of telling the people what you do? Absolutely. My name is um, Akram Roshidat. I'm uh, an owner of MRT Design LLC, which is an architectural design firm here in Phoenix, Arizona. We've been in business officially with MRT since 2008, but I've worked in the Valley since about 1990. I uh, first came to Arizona in 1988 to get my master's at uh, the U of A, uh, go Wildcats, <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, yeah, worked here since 1990 after I got my master's there, and in the, in the uh, uh, work that I did here, I also ended up having, uh, getting another degree from ASU, so I'm both a Wildcat and a Sun Devil, <laughs> one of those unique uh, beings here. So I got my PhD at ASU in 2014, uh, so besides working here at uh, MRT Design, I also teach a class at ASU uh, once a year, um, and, and that's basically the <laughs> don't have much time for anything else <laughs> <laughs> all righty all righty what um what kind of led you to the architectural world was it something you were interested in always as a kid is it a class you took in college what kind of led you to this it point? is i was always interested <laughs> i was always uh kind of leaning more towards uh you know both the technical and the artistic side of uh, of construction I had a relative who was an architect, and my dad always said, why don't you be like your uncle, so and so. <laughs> so I took him seriously, and uh, I um, uh, came to Tennessee, actually. That's where I got my bachelor's okay. uh, in architecture, and as I said, then came over to Tucson, got my master's here, and fell in love with the desert here, so I, st- I stayed here since. Alright, that makes sense. Um, you've been here, you said, since the 80s, right? Yes. Um, what big changes have you seen take place in the area where you kind of see that 
uh, the valley going. In the oh, future. it's it's <laughs> amazing changes. I I feel like one of those old timers that you know when I drive around town, I say, well, this used to be just a field, and there was <laughs> this center was never here. There was nothing over here. So I've I've witnessed kind of the explosive growth of Phoenix and yeah. and the way the way it kind of really expanded, especially in the 90s. In the 90s was the big spurt of growth. Um, there was the uh, number of, uh, of uh, ballots that, that we voted on in terms of the growth and, and tried to put limits on growth came and went. Nothing, nothing really got, uh, uh, got approved. So the growth just really went unchecked. And it's actually part of what I teach at school in terms of sustainability in urban environments mm-hmm. is, is what this growth really put as a cost on, on Phoenix and on Metro Phoenix. We're so spread out that any projects for mass transit, for example, or any kind of um, projects for sustainability or, or countering things like urban heat island yeah. are really almost undoable now because of the expansion. We're bigger than Los Angeles now in terms of square footage or square mileage, yeah. I should say. And uh, so th- those are the big changes. We, we've seen many businesses come in and, and just incredible growth with with the exceptions of those couple of years after 2008 when things went down but the recovery happened pretty fast and we're growing again now okay in your mind what are the pros and cons of that expansive growth well the expansive growth is exciting economically it's exciting you know seeing people come here is exciting we're you know we're we're a very dynamic community dynamic city we have uh, i've heard this this is i'm not sure if it's true that for every four people that come to phoenix three leave <laughs> uh, so that that is in a way good and it's it's one of the things i enjoy about phoenix is that there is no kind of established hierarchy or established culture it's all new everybody's from somewhere else you you really kind of feel equal to everybody in being not from here yeah. <laughs> so it's it's something that i enjoy as opposed to you know eastern coast cities where you kind of have an established hierarchy that's very hard to break into yeah but but here in in the west and phoenix i think especially you know everybody's from somewhere else you kind of feel part of the part of the whole thing that's going on economically culturally socially and so on i think it's a much easier place to be okay all right that makes sense um in terms of your career right your role in the company that growth is highly beneficial kind of how, what role did you see yourself playing in that from a architectural perspective well uh, architecturally we say it's either feast or famine and that's really <laughs> those those years here in phoenix have been that they've been a roller coaster we've had periods where we were just could not and and we're going through one of those periods right now where we there's just we have to say no to work because there's just so much work coming through the door. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's an, an embarrassment of riches, really. You know, it's uh, but there were times where where work was very low. You know, especially I remember uh, after 9/11, those two years after 9/11, that was that was a very hard time. We had to lay off a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, those years and after 2008, after the the financial meltdown, that was also very hard times, yeah. where we we could not buy a job. So it's it's been it's been up and down. But there are areas also at the, at the end of the Clinton administration and the late 90s, mm-hmm. the, the economy was white hot. It was just incredible uh, how how it goes. And those economically speaking, that's really been kind of the story of the Phoenix area. 
Uh, and, and part of our problem really has been, architecturally speaking, is that we tend to, when, when times are good, we tend to overbuild and overwork things to where we create these gluts of, of office space and of housing to yeah. where when the recession happens, it kind of hits harder than it would have if we kind of kept things in check. And that's yeah. been an ongoing discussion here in Phoenix about, you know, how far do you go? How, well, how much expansion is good? How much growth do we should we shoot for? And it's an ongoing discussion. Some, you know, you have you have extremes where people want to really put a check on on growth, and other people, you know, say no, it should just go <laughs> as much as you can. So yeah. we we just try to kind of live within those two extremes. Those two extremes. All right, that makes sense. Um, kind of what sidetracked you mentioned before we um, start recording. Uh, your partnership with ASU. Uh, you mind talking about that a little bit and um, the benefit of being able to add that experience to the, the kids? Oh, absolutely. ASU has been a wonderful factor here in the Valley. Um, I say that as a former Wildcat. We, <laughs> when I was at the U of A, we, we kind of felt that we were uh, a little further along than ASU, but ASU in the last 20 years just took um, just took progress in leaps and bounds. They're, they're, there's just incredible programs in ASU. ASU downtown is a wonderful addition. One of the things that architecturally we wanted to see is revitalization of downtown, and ASU coming downtown was a big, big part of it. Okay. Uh, the city of Phoenix also did many things in terms of making downtown more vital, more friendly for pedestrians. The light rail project was was a big part of that as well. So the combination of ASU and um, and the light rail with the city of Phoenix, with different urban programs, um, uh, really kind of transformed downtown Phoenix quite a bit. Yeah. In, in what I've seen <laughs> from when when. Uh, when I came to the Valley, the, the uh, Civic Center Plaza was just an, you know, a horrible, horrible urban space. We, we were an example nationwide of bad downtown spaces. Yeah. <laughs> they were very hostile, not good for pedestrians, not good for business. Uh, and the transformation in my lifetime is, is you know, relatively speaking, lightning fast, really, for cities to really come, come around and, and change things this fast. And now with, with the new convention center, with all the new amenities downtown, with... Um, with uh, amenities like, um, uh, I can't remember the name, Skyscapes, I think, or uh, it is downtown, okay. the, the mixed-use projects that they're doing downtown, mm-hmm. really revitalized downtown to where it's a joy going downtown now. Um, ASU also has a big part of it in terms of all the research programs. I teach at the School of Sustainability at ASU, which leads the um, the the way with research in, into urban aspects, into different technical issues like pavement types, like shading and landscaping, and specifically living in desert cities. We, yeah. as a desert city, we're unique. We can't take lessons from Chicago or New York or Minnesota. We have a different climate. We have a different landscape. Mm-hmm. And, and that research is really uh, targeted to us as a desert city with our unique climate, with our unique uh, environment, which I also use in my architectural practice. Uh, a lot of the practice that we do here is sustainable, uh, energy efficient, and we try to be compatible to the environment that we live in, uh, in terms of the landscaping type that we use, in terms of the architecture and the shading and the spaces and the materials that we use. We really try to be with uh, compatible with the desert and the materials in the desert that we live in here. Yeah, that makes sense. All right, you mind talking a little bit about kind of your favorite po- projects in the past? Um, 
Yeah, absolutely. What, what kind of area you guys like to focus on? Most? We've we've been all over the map. Uh, early on in the '90s, we we worked a lot on government projects. Um, our firm before MRT was TRK Architecture, and we essentially renovated or built most uh, in most of the buildings on the Capitol Mall. We renovated the state capitol as well, and it's uh, you know that would be my favorite project, just being in the capital in those historic spaces, <laughs> you know, kind of living, you know, we talked about the nature of Arizona, the landscape, and then there's the history of Arizona as yeah. well. Uh, so that that was very enjoyable four years that I spent renovating the capital. And funny we should mention that we have another project coming up now, <laughs> doing some more renovation of the capital and, and master planning um, uh, the capital mall. So that was that was mostly through the eyes we worked for, for various government entity, state, county, city, and so on. Uh, and then um, with different political climates, that kind of dried up. Uh, the government was not doing too much work in terms of their facilities anymore. So we went more onto the private private, private uh, sector, uh, mm-hmm. private industry, and we tried to focus on green sustainable uh, projects. Okay. Um, one of my favorite projects was for Maricopa County Parks Department. We've done uh, a wonderful project of uh, the nature center prototypes on county parks, Cave Creek Park, Estrella Park, um, and the Usury Park. And we're doing a new project actually currently to uh, fit that project onto the Vulture Mountain Park close to Wickenburg. So this is on a county level. Uh, and these were LEED certified sustainable buildings that were showcasing okay. energy uh, efficiency, water efficiency, uh, being compatible with the, with the landscape, not okay. disturbing the land too much. Uh, and using recycled materials as much as possible. So those those uh, buildings are on the parks now. We're in the in the process of adding another one now. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Um, along with that, uh, there's a lot of push across the country, right? We have things like opportunity zones, right? You mentioned the parks, the yes. idea to create these sustainable parks. Do you mind kind of giving your take on? where that will look like in the, in the future, right? That kind of shift into building to either supplement the community, supplement the environment, or help add value to um, an area versus just building based on we think we can make a profit. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, and, and that's that's a great question. Uh, and, and the answer was probably clear two, three years ago. It's not as clear today because of the political climate that yeah. we're living in. <laughs> And, and and fortunately, those kind of those kind of issues, community, uh, sustainability, health mm-hmm. of communities, uh, both physical health and and social health, mm-hmm. um, looking at housing, looking at at equity in society, all those things you know are discussed academically now. Unfortunately. Mm-hmm. The, the current administration is doing everything to undo all the work that's been done. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's, it's incredibly unfortunate to see. Some people say, well, it's just a storm that will blow by. Unfortunately, there's damage that's being done now that will be very hard and will take a long time to undo. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, yes, we, from a sustainable point of view, what we'd like to see is, is for Phoenix to, to kind of look inwards a little bit. 
rather than outwards. We've we've expanded. You know, physically, the sprawl is incredible. We need to go back and kind of densify our societies. We're one of the least dense cities in in the nation. Yeah. Uh, and that poses problems. You know, you can imagine if you're less dense, then you have larger distances. That that means that you're using more gas, more energy for. Mm-hmm transportation for for uh, for housing for all kinds of other activities on an urban level so we would like to go back and renovate and fill in uh, a lot of the land that's been left in in downtown and different areas in metro phoenix rather than keeping keep taking virgin desert land or agricultural land for for new projects because of economy so that is that is something that is um, not happening right now (laughs) Uh, developers are kind of loose and they're doing whatever they want regulation is being rolled back uh, so we're going to have to, unfortunately, wait until the political climate is, is a little different um, and, and try to repair some of the damage. This reminds me kind of of the 80s when Ronald Reagan was was, uh, was president, where he defunded a lot of the sustainability research, a lot of the solar panel, and, and we suffered. We can see the graph now that yeah. that research kind of... Uh, got stuck in its place and did not progress because of this this political perspective and that's what's happening right now yeah. uh, we're, we're having the same issues now you know bringing back coal I can't believe we're doing that <laughs> you know, uh, those are those are things that that are just crazy yeah and unfortunately we we, we have to go through it nah, that makes sense um so from from your perspective what would you like to see? Um, you kind of mentioned it a little bit, but what would you like to see the next 10, 15 years look like in terms of uh, opportunity for the Valley? And you know? uh, there, there is, again, we thankfully uh, have the combination of factors that, that we are a desirable destination for business, for for mm-hmm. tourism, for, for all kinds of other things. So we, we are still a dynamic destination. It's I believe it's us, uh, Las Vegas, Atlanta, Georgia, there's these centers around the nation that just, uh, you know, attract a lot of people of coming here for jobs, for, for the climate, for tourism, and so on. So I don't think, I don't think economically or, uh, or in any other fashion we're going uh, to be slowing down. So mm-hmm. now it's going to be up to us to sort of guide that growth and really make sure that that growth is sustainable for the future and we're not destroying what really is making us successful. So, so there are some good forces at play. Uh, I think the city of Phoenix, city of Tempe, have very good leadership that are doing the planning from that perspective. However, they also are kind of vulnerable to these shifts in in politics. Uh, and many many good projects started that were stopped or slowed down, but things like mass transportation, like the light trail, that mm-hmm. that Phoenix and Tempe and Mesa are co- cooperating together, that's a wonderful project that there's a lot of new th- new growth and good growth, good mixed-use projects, good sustainable projects that are happening along the spine of the light trail. Yeah. We'd like to see that expanded to more vulnerable uh, neighborhoods. And it has to be done in a very careful way. There is controversies now, for example, with the light rail expansion to South Phoenix. It's not always good. Yeah. You know, we, <laughs> we have to be careful and really kind of weigh things carefully before proceeding and, and, and kind of destroying some of the fabric of, of our historic and, 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 and uh, communities that have been here for a while. We, we want to do good things, but we don't want to do too much damage. damage that, you know, <laughs> so it, again, it, it is really 
this cooperation of entities, whether it's city governments with ASU, with, with other nonprofits that can have meetings with the community and really connect with the community to see what, what can be done to help the community, not to destroy it. We, you know, that's, that, is, that is very important, and, and you can see the current federal administration does everything except that. They're trying to shorten the times that we have for studies and for impact uh, reports and so on, and, and we need more, not less. Yeah, yeah. okay. Um, along that line, what would be kind of some of the common misconceptions people have about your role and um, your job, your company as a whole? Well, it's uh, in a typical kind of architectural firm. We, you know, we there's many misconceptions. People think you know architects are these, you know, um, uh, intellectuals in ivory towers, you know, kind of <laughs> pointing to what their vision is and so on. Uh, we're much more kind of nuts and bolts here, okay. uh, where we um, it's it's. Um, uh, it's a process where we try to listen to our clients, we try to solve their problems, uh, whether it is by designing something, sometimes the problem can be solved by not designing something. So it's, it's something that we try to keep uh, in mind that we, we are there to benefit our clients, to add value to what our clients are trying to do. Yeah. Um, it's not always drawing. Everybody thinks architects sit and draw on drafting <laughs> boards. We, we have one drafting board that we're thinking about throwing out because nobody <laughs> uses drafting boards anymore. <laughs> it's all computerized, it's all digital. So um, one of the things that, that we're doing is, is, of course, try to keep up with the technology and, uh, and the digital world that we're living in. Everything is happening in the computer now. Uh, and, and we try to serve our clients from that perspective. So uh, a, again, our projects are a wide variety. We're not specialized into one thing or the other. We do a lot of industrial mm-hmm. work. We do some library work, uh, office work, government work. Uh, it's it's mainly renovation. What I'd like to focus on is renovation. One of the things that we just talked about is that instead of building new, we should really go back and renovate what we have yeah. to work better and to be repurposed and to be reworked instead of keep consuming new new materials and taking up new land. New land, yeah. No, that makes sense. Um, the te- technology piece yeah. um, is big. Period. How do you think it affect it will affect your business kind of moving forward, and then how do you think it affect the valley? Uh, that's that's a big piece. I don't know if uh, you know anything. I feel I'm going to say about it is is already obsolete. It's, it's going <laughs> it's going so uh, fast so far so fast. I mean, it's going forward so fast that that it's hard to kind of make an assessment today. You're mm-hmm. trying to always you're always playing catch up with it. So, but but you have to. It uh, you can't be left behind. The, the the competition is such that if you don't have uh, the the latest tools in technology, you really are at disadvantage to to getting the next project. You know, um, some of the clients now are asking for technology to be part of the process for their for their um, for their projects. One of the things. Uh, that, for example, now is is happening is that there is a much closer connection between the architectural design work and the contractors who build that work. Mm-hmm. And that digital file that you work on in design gets transferred to the contractor who uses it to construct it. So the sophistication is happening on both sides of the process here where the contractors are almost becoming more sophisticated than the architects in terms of knowing how buildings are designed and, and come together and, and the building the building and architecture field is becoming a lot more sophisticated for that. Okay. All right. Um, in terms of education, 
what do you think that crossover will look like of how we guide students based on how you came through school, PhD, master's versus how the next generation will come through in terms of working in your field? And, that, and that's, uh, that's, that's very important. And again, I'm involved with the, with the educational field, the ASU, and, and um, I think ASU is doing a great job in terms of combining the, the cutting edge of technology, which mm-hmm. today is, is really the, the, the thing that is transforming education very much. Um, uh, a lot of the instruction is also being transformed with online classes rather than physical classrooms, which I'm not sure I feel good about. I think it's it's missing out uh, a lot of the kind of group learning that you learn from your peers. Uh, it's different than if you're sitting at home by yourself with a laptop. Uh, so that I think is 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 part of the negative aspect of education today. Um, technology sometimes becomes makes us be a little impersonal you don't have those personal relationships yeah. that we did when when we didn't have computers when we, <laughs> when we sat in, in in studios all night long drafting with a t-square and a, and a, and a drafting board uh, but from an education point of view I think that is essential here for us in the valley to keep our edge is to encourage and to support education as much as possible that is one of the things that is attracting people here is the educational facilities that we have and it's something that we can't let slip and and i know in terms of funding and in terms of support we've been lacking as a state uh, of supporting some of our institutions here and we we have to go back into really having a full support for higher education uh, which includes community colleges that do a wonderful role here in the in the valley um, the Maricopa County Community Colleges have a great role in terms of also uh, providing um, uh, skilled labor for the for the market and we've hired many um, uh, community college which and they're very capable so uh, I think that is that is a big part of the future of how we educate our next generations uh, we've okay. talked about all the issues that are that are some things that we're considering here in the valley and and the next generation will have to tackle it we're, we're yeah. giving it our <laughs> shot <laughs> yeah, no that makes sense that makes sense um what about um internally in terms of how you guys plan to deploy on kind of some of the new technologies are you looking um to work in like for example ai spaces or virtual spaces or are you just like that's that, <laughs> it's been it's been suggested i i think yeah. that's a little bit down the road we're still we still are adequate and the size of our firm is probably a factor where the project size uh, we still are okay with more traditional methods um, okay. uh, in terms of getting that work out but the, the talk has been of, of really making big jumps in technology and doing uh, three-dimensional kind of holographic designs uh, in terms of presentation it's still a little bit of a science fiction for me <laughs> I don't think we'll be buying those tools anytime soon but uh, but it's coming it's 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 some you know we're we're very close to getting there. I know some of the bigger firms have uh, have already dipped their their toes into that into that field and, and are already experimenting with it. Okay, um, switching gears to kind of focus more so on you. Um, if somebody was to shadow you for a day, what would be the key takeaways you want them to walk away with? Well, I don't know if this week is a good week to do that <laughs> <laughs> because uh, we're just very busy in terms of, uh, uh, I call it putting out fires right now. I wish I could have uh, the time for some of the wonderful projects we have to sit down and really kind of in, get engrossed in it. But right now is just um, 
putting out fires. It's it's doing trying to achieve all the deadlines that are that are to us that 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 we're under. Um, uh, ideal shadowing me would be probably trying to connect with our staff to get things done, connecting with the city government to get permitting, connecting with clients, make sure that they're. Uh, that their projects are on track, so I'm I'm kind of like I said a fireman that's just putting out <laughs> fires from all over the place, and uh, uh, it's not what what I wanted to do, but unfortunately it's it's what I have to do. Uh, comes with the job. Yeah. Um. What what keeps you fresh? What do you kind of like to read or watch or um, tap into in order to stay in tune uh, uh, well, both to the city and to yeah. I like I like volunteering, okay. and I volunteer uh, for for many causes. I used to volunteer. Uh, going back, I volunteered at the Frank Lloyd Wright Foundation as a as a tour guide. That was he's one of the earliest architects that worked here in 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 Arizona, and that was a that was a joy. After I finished school, to be in that environment, um, I also uh, volunteer for many. Uh, committees and organizations, nonprofit organizations that have sustainable goals. So we've had an Arizona Vision Weavers for years that we worked um, connecting with the community on, on sustainability and desert issues. Uh, currently, I'm also volunteering with um, uh, Phoenix Sister Cities. I'm on the head of the Prague Committee with Phoenix Sister Cities that does a lot of community outreach as well. Um, uh, and um, in in other aspects, uh, educationally, I do a lot of uh, a lot of uh, nonprofit work uh, for education, mainly in the sustainability uh, realm, uh, as related to architecture, nature, uh, and so on. So that it's more work, but it's it's <laughs> nicer work that I enjoy. That you enjoy, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, that makes sense. Um, Kind of taking it outside of Phoenix a little bit, uh, do you see any city in your mind kind of doing the sustainability, community involvement, um, health and welfare, well-being of kind of that nature? Do you see any city kind of doing that right? Absolutely. There is uh, Actually, that's the topic that I teach at ASU. Okay. So, uh, you know, talking here nationally, on a national level, of course, Portland, Oregon is, is one of the cities that... We try to emulate in terms of uh, the the growth boundaries that they put they, mm-hmm. in, in to 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 prevent the sprawl that we've we look at as a problem here in Phoenix. They put growth boundaries and kind of force development to happen inside of the city boundaries to get denser, to get higher, to have to have better energy efficiency, better better air, better water. Uh, and so so that's one typically northwest california also has much better regulations than we do okay. in terms of energy efficiency and, and sustainability uh, that's on a national level internationally we have many good examples and bad examples the good examples are places like uh, bogota colombia okay which um, uh, which followed uh, uh, examples of curitiba brazil Curitiba, Brazil, is is known as as one of the cities that completely transformed itself over 20 years, um, with um, under the guidance of their mayor, uh, and and really based their growth uh, on their mass transit system. They have the the kind of the, the uh, bus system, which which is wonderful, and the city grew around it. So the mass transit really is very helpful and very effective and very affordable there. And Bogota, Colombia, followed that example. And, and really transformed 
the city from a city designed for the car, where you see uh, well, Phoenix is a great example of that, where we're, uh, the essentially the highways that, that destroy communities, that kind of divide the city into these different segments, create these no-man land situations uh, underneath them, uh, create all the pollutions, create these two, three-hour commute times that we have here. So in Bogota, they really transformed that and, and, and gave that city. And they looked at it uh, very interestingly. They looked at it in terms of democracy. They said mm. that that if if you give more space to the car, then you are really giving less rights to the pedestrian. And to have equal rights between the car, you have to have equal space dedication to the car, to the bicycle, to the pedestrian. Mm. And they translated it physically into a really wonderful space where the car was not eliminated, but it was regulated and more space was given to the pedestrians and the communities really thrived on that. Communities okay. became better. The, the commerce and the business owners who were skeptical because they always thought we have to have the car parked right in front of my storefront for me to do good business and they were opposed and, and actually almost fired the, the, the mayor, the mayor <laughs> initially <laughs> but, but they came around and, um, and, and really they, they see now that the, the overall equity in the city and the, and the sustainability helps their business, it does not, it, it, not the opposite so there are many examples. There are examples in, in, in Holland, in Europe also, of, of the sustainability happening and, and being applied to all urban systems. Um, and we're hoping that we can apply some of those here in Phoenix. Okay. Um, in that, you mentioned kind of the, the mess between government and community. Do you kind of know what that perfect balance would be, or does it depend on the area? That's a great question because that's what you know. The mayors of, of, of Bogota and and Curitiba both said that that is really what made it happen. Is that partnership between government and private sector? Okay. And uh, we have some of those some of those partnerships happening here through ASU. ASU is a catalyst also that does a lot of those kind of strategic partnership, brings everybody to the table and sees. What, what can be done, but that is essential, is that the community overall uh, works together towards these goals. Uh, the city alone cannot mandate or cannot make that happen just by government action. Yeah. Uh, they are a big part of it, but they're not the whole, the whole thing. And, and the business here, I think, uh, and I know I can name many businesses that, are, that, that, that have put their money where their mouth is, and they really kind of contributed to, to uh, some of the solutions that we're looking at here. We're still very, very far away here uh-huh. in Phoenix, and you can see that we are probably one of the best examples of what not to do <laughs> uh, in terms of uh, we're still planning and building communities that are way outside of the metro area and mm-hmm. connecting it with, with freeways. We're still expanding the freeway system. So it, it's, it's going to be very hard then kind of to change that model. But that model has to, has to change eventually. Eventually, we'll, we're going to have to pay for this. It's mm-hmm. it's uh, it, it, we can plan for it now, or we can be forced to do it when when we have to. When oil runs out, when you know technology is not going to solve everything. I'm not a believer that technology, electric cars, or whatever the solutions are. Yeah, that's it's it's our lifestyle. We're we're living beyond our ecological footprint, yeah. as they say. Yeah. <laughs> that cannot continue. It, at at some point, it's going to come back and. And, and uh, we'll have to kind of pay the piper. No, that makes sense. That makes sense. Um, 
So uh, you mentioned ASU making the great step. What are some of the things that you see work in getting that point across, right? Because what you said, a lot of people don't doesn't click, right? It's the same thing with like you you f- get your first job and you spend your whole check <laughs> until you have to pay bills, and then you're like, oh well, maybe I should put twenty percent aside. Yes. <laughs> so what are some of the things in those conversations that you've witnessed? Um, kind of get the point across and get the get the stake moving. It, it, it's it's hard, uh, especially now where we see kind of a retreat of that of that uh, direction, if you will. Yeah. Um, uh, everybody, and especially, it's very hard to talk about those kind of things in a climate which where the economy is just booming. Mm. Everybody is happy. Nobody wants to rock the boat. Uh, everybody says no don't change anything I want to just keep going like this uh, so it's very hard to to have people stop and kind of evaluate where they are it's yeah. education is the only answer that we've always given that you have to just make people aware make make them conscious of what what those things are and and what decisions have to be made and it, it does there's a chain reaction it's a chain decision uh, we always talked about it you know is it the banks that lend the developers or the developers that hire the architects or the contractors that build it and it's a closed circle who where do you stop where do you break that cycle you know uh, and and uh, typically everybody you know we saw that with the with the financial meltdown 2008 that was another chain and everybody kind of knew what they were doing yeah but nobody wanted to stop. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and we're in that kind of a cycle today again. Um, and, and somebody has to make a conscious decision to say, no, what, we have to change that model. And those examples of Curitiba and, and, um, and Bogota are good examples where somebody stood up and says, I don't want to do things business as usual. And there, there's going to be opposition. Yeah. There's going to be most people won't like it, but <laughs> but I think by education, by showing and show and, and starting, you know, starting things on the ground are very. It's very important to kind of show that this can work. Mm-hmm. This is a better way. This is a better for the future. Better for us today. So something has to happen from that sense, and I think education is the start. That's where you really have to lay out your case yeah. of why this has to happen. Because many people today will say, "Why should we change? Everything is just fine." And and that's that's the problem now, is is showing why it's not fine because in the future we will pay for this. Yeah. Do you see um, there being a benefit, or do you know of examples where there's kind of like a cross city pollination, where like cities who are doing stuff better in one area or maybe overall kind of help, similar to like the joint school like ASU did with um, U of A. Yeah, so there is a lot of those networks are already in place okay. uh, across the nation. One of the things, uh, for example, when um, when President Trump withdrew from the Paris Agreement, the Association of U.S. Mayors uh, uh, took it upon themselves to actually implement the Paris Agreement within their cities. Mm-hmm. So essentially, a lot of the business, even the private businesses, uh, made uh, kind of commitments 
to implement the things that would have been implemented if we, as a country, stayed in the Paris Agreement. So yeah. those things are happening, and there's many good people. There's a lot of good people who are doing it kind of on, a, on a private basis and on an individual basis on their local environment. Mm -hmm. uh, so those things, those things are in place. There is many things here in the valley, for example. We have a lot of networks. Sometimes, sometimes the cities within the valley don't work very well together. We have things uh, like MAG, the Maricopa Association of Governments, which is an umbrella that can be a catalyst for the cities to kind of work together and, and coordinate with each other. And there is some of that coordination. It could be, it could be done more, especially <laughs> us here where we're so close together. There's really no, no barriers or borders between our cities. There are, you know, the, the streets just connect and, and there is an opportunity to really work a lot together and double up on these programs and, and, and use the funding to kind of get more bang for your buck yeah. if, we can, if we can join some of these sustainability programs between Tempe and Phoenix, for example. That, that would be enough. And Glendale is another one. Mesa. Those are large, large cities uh, by any standard. And, and when we work together, that really will give us the momentum to, to achieve some things. Now, the Light Trail Project because it passes through those cities was one where they had to cooperate together and unify their standards and, and make sure that they are all <laughs> on the same page. And that can be kind of the blueprint of how other programs come together and, and, and transcend this, the borders between the cities. But even on a national level, there is a lot to be learned from other cities, uh, a lot of programs that cities can copy and, and or um, emulate uh, based on their success. Of course, all that has to be done in a planned way because uh, the climates are different, politics are different, uh, social society, social norms are different, so we all have to be careful on how these things get implemented. Uh, but with some planning, I'm sure it can be done easily. Okay, all right. What are, um, what are the things you would say that Phoenix is doing right? Uh, again, uh, I think many things, both the city, the state, uh, we, we, we have a wonderful environment here that obviously is drawing a lot of people from, from the nation and the world mm -hmm. um, and, and um, uh, creating that environment is, is in large part thanks to the city governments and the state governments that are putting those incentives in. Um, I would say again, education is one of the one of the main issues that we need to do because because that is one of the sustaining um, uh, things that will sustain this growth and this kind of environment is is to have that educational uh, skilled labor coming into the market and stay in the market here. Uh, so I would say, uh, uh, other than and and, and I'm. I'm going to mention as well, the people are surprised by this, but even water management, we think we're in the desert and we, we have lack of water here, but we actually don't. We actually, on a state level and city levels, we have very good water management um, and we are in better shape than other states that have more water. Uh, <laughs> so it, it's those kind of practices, I think, with, with adequate planning and staffing of those kind of uh, issues that, that uh, we deal with here as a desert city, I think need to continue and keep keep improving them. Okay. All right. Um, <clears throat> one thing I like to ask uh, people is, especially with long careers like yours, what are kind of some of the pivotal moments? Maybe it's a project, maybe it was uh, grouping and teaching. 
what are some of kind of the pivotal moments that happened in your career that made you or defined how you moved on in terms of business? Like it might have been a failure, it might have been success, anything of that nature. Where no, it's uh, like I said, we are we're, our business is feast or famine. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and but it has been it has been those times where it was a famine. It was. Uh, yeah, the early '90s, the recession in the early '90s, or um, or the those couple of years after 9/11, um, uh-huh. it's it's finding ways to survive. Many many businesses went under. Actually, after 2008, for example, meltdown, there was there was an incredible number of architectural firms that just folded. They just did not have the the sustaining clients work. Uh, they let a lot of people go. Uh, there was a period actually where, uh, before the recovery here, where uh, a lot of people moved and left Phoenix because there was just not not enough work in the architectural design engineering community. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's finding those clients, and we always say, and and this is something that I've lived by, um, is we chase client not projects. And when we when you have that relationship with certain clients, then you have a way to kind of sustain yourself through those lean times. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're working on a project and then you go after another project, then those projects dry up. That is kind of the case of death of, of business. So I would say, yes, we've had some clients that were fortunate, stayed with us. And even though we had to get very lean, we were able to... to survive those lean times yeah. uh, and I remember those if when somebody asked me just like you did now what what I remember it's those lean times that I remember much more than the good times <laughs> okay because that's that it, it leaves a mark on your soul you know, <laughs> you, know you, uh, you kind of know what you're made of and, and, and you really have an appreciation to those people that uh, that helped you through those times uh-huh. alright now that makes sense uh, final question um, it's the spotlight hour, so anything you want to say about yourself, about your company, anything? Uh, appreciate that. Thank you for this opportunity. <laughs> we really appreciate it. Uh, uh, you know, again, we we love the work that we do. We like the city of Phoenix that we're working in, the state of Arizona. We're really kind of uh, uh, really happy Arizona residents. Uh, uh, one of the things that I also wanted to say that I enjoy is, is kind of being in nature in Arizona here, even though it's hot in the summer. Yeah. But you get to appreciate that. It's it's uh, it's really uh, it's it's an environment with a lot of personality. I say, uh, and and uh, it's uh, it's something that we enjoy. We enjoy working here. We enjoy the desert, and and we hope to be doing this for many many years to come. Alrighty. Well, thank you. I appreciate your time. Absolutely. No, thank you for having me. Thank you, everybody. I appreciate you taking the time to participate in another great episode of Do I Have Your Attention? I really hope you enjoyed it. Like always, you can reach us on any of our social media pages. That's D-I-H-Y-A underscore talks. That's on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. I'm more than happy to field any comments, questions, concerns, or recommendations to interview anybody in Phoenix or surrounding cities. Um, Appreciate all the love. Thank you once again, and I'll see you next week.